With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Welcome to Speakernomics, the podcast about becoming a better speaker and building a better business. I'm your host, Tom Singer, and today we are talking to Harriet Russell, and we are going to talk about what do you do when you're addressing audiences that might be cross-cultural. So, welcome to the show, Harriet Russell. Thank you, Tom. I'm so delighted to be here with you today. Oh, I'm so glad to have you here. Now, before we dive into all of this wonderful topic, could you tell me what are your two tips for speakers to be more successful when they're working with people from different cultures? Well, tip number one is, first, it's important to recognize that it's not personal. It could be cultural. Don't take it personally, okay? And the second tip is my three A's. The three A rollout of awareness, acceptance, and adjustment, and how that really helps speakers in every area of their life and business. Awesome. Well, I'm going to have fun talking to you about this. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Harriet, she is a cross-cultural strategist and mindfulness mentor who works with and speaks for multicultural teams who want people to work better together, both internally and across borders. So, Harriet, how did you become a cross-cultural specialist? Great question. I think it was in my DNA as a child. When I was a child, I read a book at five years old where each page had a foreign word. This is a casa. It is a house. This is a futon. It is a bed. But being brought up in Ohio, I didn't have a lot of uh, international exposure and in my in my life. And so when I was 18, I wanted to see the world. So with college degree in hand, a few years later, uh, I lived abroad first. And that would be my first tip for cross-cultural connection is try to really deep dive into a culture that you're working with. And I took in 1975. A trip across the world, six months overland from Europe through the Middle East to Asia on a dollar a day budget, one month in each country almost, and I arrived in Japan with $20 in my pocket and lived there for almost a decade. So this is my um, cross-cultural introduction. I worked always in the international field and pretty much as a solopreneur. Uh, until I came back to the States and hit the corporate life. I wonder if in 2021, one could travel that long on a dollar a day. I know in the 70s, there was actually a book on how to travel on a dollar a day. I wonder what that translates to nowadays. I think it would translate to a little higher economy, but um, I'm sure that the opportunities to be able to go overland like that I think the boat has the the ship has sailed because of the uh, internal difficulties in many countries right now. But I was fortunate, and uh, I knew that that was the right time. So yes, economies all raise. I'm sure it costs a little more, but then we earn more, don't we? 
So in addition to living in Japan for quite some time, I assume you're fluent in Japanese after 20 years. You also speak several other languages. How many languages do you, are, you, are you able to converse in? I can converse in a half a dozen languages. Uh, my fluency is in Japanese and Spanish and our lovely English, of course. And uh, one little known fact is that I also teach yoga teachers Sanskrit, how to pronounce the postures correctly. That's kind of cool. So I want to dive into this whole thing because in today's world, many speakers have the opportunity to speak globally, whether in person or virtually, and our audiences are more diverse than they've ever been at any time. So I want to get right into your two tips, and then I probably have some other questions for you also. Your first tip is don't take it personally, but it might be a cultural issue. So so what do you mean by that? Why, why do people take it personally, and, and why should we be paying attention to culture? Well, the first thing is that in any um, connection with another person, we are used to how we are, and we're used to our smaller world. So when we're faced with people that we're not used to, how they look, how they act, how they speak, how they converse, or how they manage time, or how their thought processes are, and uh, it becomes more difficult even when there's a language barrier, we tend to take things personally because we only have a vision of what we know. So if someone is late for a meeting or has some other priority like family instead of the business at hand, that might be a cultural difference. And we may judge that as well. Wait a minute. No, time is money. You had an appointment with me. What do you mean you had to go see your sister for lunch? This is, you know, but it could be cultural. So many times when we don't understand what could be outside of our own vision, we take it personally. We think someone's not treating us well. Uh, they, uh, we feel that maybe we're not getting along. And yet both parties need to understand, and that's what I do, bring people together to discuss, unfold, unwrap, and look at what is the real core disconnect and it starts with yourself, your world, and then opening up to how someone else's perceptions may be different. So as a speaker, when you're addressing an audience that is going to be either culturally diverse or you're entering their culture and, and giving a speech, what are some tips for speakers to prepare to be able to, to be good on stage and to be able to relate to the people in the audience? I think it's very important to really connect with someone from that culture that is a sociolinguist or a cross-cultural strategist that really knows the tips and tools. Uh, you could go to a website, but you really want someone that's worked with people from that culture and your culture and understands both sides. How you engage with the people that invite you there, how you first step off the plane, what you're asking for, how you behave right before you walk on the stage is so important for relationship development. And some cultures are not task-oriented like Americans are. They are more relationship-oriented. It may take a longer time to connect. It may take a longer time to even get on that stage, but to keep working with the relationship could be one tip. Then when you're actually there, this idea of uh, individualism in the American culture of we have to self-promote, self-this, self-that, and yet in other cultures, humility is more important. 
other people promote you. You don't promote yourself. And this is uh, this is a, a big tip also. So um, how you walk onto the stage, what do you do, how you interact? And also there's a hierarchy. Some people may be uncomfortable with a lot of attention as you are the expert and people that are just following you because you're the, the guru of the subject. And yet in some cultures, allowing yourself to receive that attention as the guest in that culture and the expert that they have hired to speak, as long as you keep your humility, is important for them. So there's an expression in Japanese, it's called amai. Amai means to be sweet. It means to allow someone else to help you because you are giving them the gift to help you, to host you, to carry your suitcase, to um, take you out and wine and dine to the hilt. You see, so we may perceive that as overboard, but someone else would perceive that as allowing them to share. So there's all these kinds of looks at things. And when it comes to criticism or blame, perhaps something goes wrong. You know, we have all the things that go wrong, the technical, the this and the that. Well, what happens then? Who do you go to? Who do you speak to? How do you speak to them is really key. Here's a phrase in, in Spanish. El bolígrafo se me cayó means the pen fell from me. Well, really, in English, it's I dropped my pen. I take responsibility. I have to work for myself and I have to take all the criticism, the stress, as well as the glory. But in Spanish, it's like, okay, some other forces are at fate is happening here. Destiny is more important. And so even in the language, there are tips like that. So when you're on stage, and I'm jumping now into this, I hope it's okay, I'm talking as long. But when you're on stage, then, if you know the culture that you're speaking to, or if it's a multicultural audience, take out the typically American thing of it, if you're an American speaker, and put in a more global approach of inclusivity. Just as we would include someone that may be in um, a wheelchair, and we say, okay, everyone stand up if you're comfortable, or just sit and do X, Y, Z. The same in the language. Instead of calling on people in the interaction portions, instead of saying, who has a question, or who'd like to share, it's really about inviting people and calling on people sometimes. In some cultures, the, the nail that sticks up is not good. The individual is not good. It's collective. They want to beat it down. So don't give praise and credit to just one person in some cultures. Give it to the whole team. Don't give the gift just to the direct assistant. Give it as a group. When do you give it? How do you give it? What do you do? All these things are cultural. And in the actual languaging on stage, if you're talking to a multicultural audience, even if English is their second language and they are very fluent, there is still a way to speak. How many of you have felt uncomfortable when you don't understand another person's accent? Consider how you are talking to the audience and leave out um, jokes, unless you're a comedian, <laughs> leave out jokes, sarcasm, 
think of the words themselves and each powerful moment of the words. Speak clearly and slowly. Put in your pauses. And also remember that double negatives are confusing. If you're asking someone a question like, hmm, you don't want to go to lunch, do you? Well, what does that mean? Does that mean, yes, I do want to go to lunch? Or do you reply, yes, you're correct. I don't want to go to lunch. Or no, I don't want to go to lunch. Or no, you're correct. I, you know, it's just so confusing. So stop the double, double negative, stop the car. And the um, sports jokes may not land well because they're not in that world. And uh, just keep it very global, like old style anchors on television. <laughs> well, this this One is actually. Thing. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, oh, may I just add also, if you are speaking to an audience where they're not always comprehending every word, the energy of how you're speaking trans transfers over cultures. The expressions you use, the way you move your body, your hands. So every word doesn't have to be understand. Stood. But if you are one on one with someone, it would be very important to realize that just because you speak louder doesn't make it that they're going to understand it better. And just because you repeat it doesn't mean it's going to be understood better. Change the way you phrase the question or the comment. Use different words. Be patient and don't shout at them as if they're hard of hearing. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot of stuff to take in, and it's I probably know you're a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it, it's probably a great transition to tip number two, where you talk about uh, awareness, acceptance, and adjustment. Imagine what connecting with some of today's most influential and successful speakers can do for your business and your income. As an entrepreneur speaker, there's only one conference where you can mingle with today's industry titans. The National Speakers Association's premier conference has returned, and it's going down July 10th through the 12th at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. We've invited today's most innovative and influential speakers so you can learn, network, and mingle with the best of the best. Gain insight and connections you won't find anywhere else. And you don't need to attend in person. This year, we've taken the conference online and are giving you the option to virtually rub shoulders with your peers and today's top names. To ensure the safety of attendees, in-person attendance is limited to the first 500 guests. So head over to Influence2021.com to grab your ticket to this year's flagship conference. That's Influence2021.com to register today. So let's dive into that second tip. I think we've touched on some of it, but let's go deep into your three A's. Sure, sure. So a better speaker, I believe, comes from being a better person. We can always take our external technology, our skill sets, uh, up upscale our businesses with lots of tools and tips, and we can learn a lot. But to be a person who is connected to yourself will translate much further across your business and your life. It will make you happier. It will increase your relationships. It'll get you cross referrals. It will continue this joy of the speaking profession because you have meaning to it. So how does that come about? 
First, know yourself. We all have a mind. The mind is a thinking mind. This mind will always divide. Up, down, black, white, day, night, good, bad. It's meant to discern in comparison. When you drop from your mental thinking into your heart space and you just connect, then you move from thinking and doing to feeling and being. This is the space to be open to first A is awareness. Be aware of yourself. Are your shoulders tight? Are you thinking judgmentally about this person? Are you feeling offended? And then be aware of the other person. If you are aware of yourself, you will become more aware of them. So there's a body-mind connection. You're, is your breathing deep? Are you rolling your eyes inside your head? You know, all that. And then the second stage is to become more accepting. We have to accept ourselves as human beings with a thinking mind. The purpose is to divide and compare. When we are accepting of ourselves and we recognize, okay, I've made a mistake, just go apologize. Or you feel badly, go, let it go, let it go. Do something that makes you feel better because we're all human beings with a mind. And then sink into those quiet places. Then you will become more accepting of the other. Unless you accept where you are. How you were brought up, how your thinking is, what is your world like, how you like to operate about time and accountability, all those things that you may judge yourself for or someone else, that is the key. You will become more accepting of the other. Then you start to see, all right, where is the potential for the third A, which is adjustment? How can I adjust within myself to become more relaxed and more open and then my clarity becomes much more heightened and I can communicate better. I can choose right action. And that same kind of adjustment will come from the other as well. And you can then communicate on how you can better your relationship, better your business, uh, understand what went wrong and not just lose the whole ball of wax because somebody took it personally and it was really a cultural difference. And one may not have been aware of themselves. So one of the things I'm, I'm thinking as I'm hearing you talk is this advice that you're giving, which is wonderful, isn't just for cross-cultural speaking, but this really goes with every single audience that we address, even if everyone is from Cleveland, Ohio, and you're from Cleveland, Ohio, it still makes the whole thing, uh, makes you a better speaker and able to engage more. Going back to tip number one, realizing that it's not personal. Not everyone in the audience is gonna like you. You're not gonna understand every single organization. So you just have to get out there, do your best to understand them and, and do the best you can with that. And then your, your three a's of awareness excess uh, i'm sorry acceptance and adjustment really it fits into everything so part of this what you teach not only fits with your cross-cultural strategist side but your mindfulness mentor the two really merge together no matter who we're speaking to as a speaker is is that right absolutely just take and if i might use an idiom because we're all native speakers on this call or maybe not wait we have a multicultural America. Wow. All right. Let me move forward into not using the, you hit the nail on the head, but just say, exactly, Tom, you've got it. 
let me let you know that even in your own family, if you were to assess the relationships there, I'm sure that there are a lot of differences in the way that people communicate, even in your own own same culture, your own same city, your own same state, part of the country. We are all unique. So to honor that uniqueness with respect, honor, and trust is foundational. And yes, it it moves not just across borders, but right into your own community. So that's where I would say, if you want to learn more about how to engage with multicultural audiences or other cultures, go right to your backyard, wherever you live, and find out where is a cultural center. Where is a place that you could go in your own community where you could go to a lecture or connect with people where they are having educational components and start to start learning right there? And then recognize, yes, I mean, I'm a cross-cultural strategist because I love working with people all over the world. But that's my niche. My niche is multicultural, but my methodology is beyond culture. It applies to every single person I interact with. So it's interesting because as you were starting that last answer, you started to use sort of a, a slang word that we might all say it hit hit the nail on the head. And then you said, oh, we yeah. do we do have a multicultural audience and you brought it back. Let's talk a little bit about sort of uh, specific z- examples of how our, our English that we use when we're talking around might have some slang in it and other types of word choices. How do we get to a more... Uh, universal or global English use of the English language? Yes. uh, Great question, Tom. I think that one of the finest examples I can give is the sports jargon. Even in corporate, the sports jargon of uh, you really hit it out of the ballpark. (laughs) I mean, what does that mean? You're in a meeting with someone and you're saying that or, you know, or uh, I'm trying to think of some other examples in sports jargon. Oh, I mean, it's, it, it, it's, oh, oh he's know. out in the field. He's or, out in left she's field. Out in the field. Or, or I was like, she's on the one yard line. Yeah, exactly. Or we're just, we're just, yeah, just, that was a home run. You know, those kinds of uh, sports jargon are really unique to uh, native speakers that are into sports. Well, and just and just the use of the term football for those of us who live in America, yes. in North America is yep. one thing, but football is actually what we would call soccer everywhere else in the world. So we we do right. have to watch not only sports sports words, but also yeah. other pop culture uh, of television and music and everything else because not everybody listens to the same things or watches the same things. Yes, you got it. I have another great example. Sometimes we assume that when someone speaks English as their native language in England, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, I mean, different places around the world, we think, okay, we can use our same terminology. But, you know, there is a difference between English and and British language. Is it on the table or is it off the table for discussion? And um, when I was in Kyrgyzstan, I had a native speaker of um, Kyrgyz who was fluent in English. Her accent was completely American because she spoke a lot with Americans, but her training was from England. So when she told me uh, that there was a lunch, she said there was a dinner, I assumed it was after five o'clock. Fortunately, it was just a social event and it was with friends. So I came back at four, all ready to find out what time are we leaving? She said, oh, we had the dinner at lunch at, at noon. 
I said, oh, my gosh, here you are speaking completely fluent English, American accent, and you're using the British terminology. So those could be uh, tips for you as well. So one of the best speakers uh, I've seen was Australian. And in the middle of the keynote, the person started talking about words Americans use that are dirty there and vice versa mm, yes. because of you know just words that someone might throw around might have a entirely different meaning uh, meaning in in other parts of the world so these are things that we have to be aware of so how do i Absolutely. how do i as a speaker how do i prepare myself to speak mm-hmm. to these audiences from all over the world when i'm i'm mm-hmm. just speaking my native tongue what do i have to do all right so um just to segue Hand gestures can be also considered obscene. The OK symbol, please don't use it internationally. It's lewd and lascivious. The uh, finger pointing, even tip number one would be OK, but pointing the finger this way, please don't do that. Uh, How do you learn? That is where I said, find a person that is a cross-cultural strategist or someone who is very fluid across the cultures that you're working with Ask your point person. You know, you can even go to the government embassy websites. They'll tell you the tips right up front that are the most offensive, like patting a child on the head in Thailand. You know, these these things are right up front on the cultural websites or the embassy websites is what to do or not to do. But in the speaking world, I would say your connections to that culture or that audience who brought you in, ask them if they can help you or if someone else can. They will be so happy that you have even asked. It's like learning the word hello, goodbye, and thank you in another language when you're traveling internationally. To ask someone about how can I reach this audience? We always ask, well, what are their professions? You know, what is this? We always ask about the audience. Why don't we ask what about the cultural norm of this audience? All right, Harriet, as we wrap this up, I want to hear some mistakes that you've seen speakers make that have been, mm-hmm. you know, very much not intentional, but really, really bad cross-cultural faux pas. Hmm. Really terrible faux pas. I should say that I personally have not seen a speaker from our association personally who has made such a faux pas that I could even remember it. Secondly, I probably wouldn't tell you about it because everybody would know. And then I'd be, you know, not a very good cross-cultural global person. But I can say that um, probably for a speaker, because we're the focus and the person on stage the rollout person, the one accountable for giving the audience what they need. I feel that interaction and inclusion of their worth as individuals is the most important step you can take in not just engaging the audience, but including the audience. You can roll out content but you have to have time for interaction. And that interaction can be very structured or it could be the wild card. I like it more structured with powerful questioning and let them engage with each other so that when they walk away, 
You are not the only focus in their life, but they have connected with each other and they have more people across the world, across the room, across the conference that they can interact with. You give them the gift of expansion. So if a speaker's on stage and it's all about them and they over talk and they overdo their time and they go on and on and on and they never engage the audience except for, hi, you're here and how'd you like my content? That's just old school or maybe no school. (laughs) We all have our, our gifts. And what I really love about what I do is that I am learning every day. And I am so grateful to be able to help others on that journey. Awesome. So I'm going to give you one last chance to share a tip that you think people need to know when they're dealing with cross-cultural <laughs> audiences. What's, what's one thing we haven't covered that you're like, oh my gosh, people need to know this. I have a rule of thumb, which is I do not speak about my opinions about politics, theirs or mine, or religion. This is my platform because I work with people from very different uh, worlds. And so I don't speak about that publicly. And if I'm asked a question, I'm, I'm more neutral. If I become a deep friendship with someone and we're actually having a real live conversation, not a debate, then I might broach those subjects. So I think that would be the safety tip. It's like go in neutral open wide, observe yourself, the three A's again, awareness, acceptance, adjustment of yourself and of others, and just soak it in and be a little more pausing in the moments. Speakers, we love to be active. We're sharing, but pause, reflect, and allow others to come into our space so that we then can open the heart, broaden our horizons, and really make a lasting impact through cultural relationships that may be different than we ever thought we would ever approach. I like that. Thank you so much for being a guest on Speakernomics. Thank you, Tom. I was the speaker who spoke a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's totally I great. Hope my tips were, I hope my tips were helpful, and I certainly do appreciate you asking me to come on. Thank you, Tom. All of those tips were very helpful, and I think in the world that we live in today, this was a really important topic for everyone who makes their living with the spoken word. And if you're a regular listener of Speakernomics, do me a favor. Make sure that you have subscribed on your favorite podcast platform, and also leave one of those reviews that uh, says, that you like the podcast and why. And then be sure that you join us every single week for more thoughts, ideas, and actionable information on how to make more money as a professional speaker. And always remember the motto of this podcast, speak, get paid, repeat. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.